<laughs> okay, so we're in the movie. Uh, how do we get out of here? Yeah, I like that question. That's a really, really good question. Duncan, can you answer that question, please? <laughs> what is that noise? It's Billy. He's coming. Let's get out of here, then. No, no, stop. Stay. Duncan! It's okay. It's okay. He won't hurt us. He, he would have killed me by now. Okay, I think it's because we're not actually part of the movie. He doesn't really know what to do with us. Isn't that right, Billy boy? Man, you are big and scary. I wonder if all this blood is just corn syrup, you know? Like these characters are walking around with just corn syrup in their veins, you know? Let's give it a shot here. Oh, oh, God. Oh. No, that is, um, that is not corn syrup. That is, oh, God, that's blood. Oh, all the more reason for us to get the hell out of here. No, no, look, movies like this end when the final girl kills the main bad guy and the credits roll. It's actually pretty sick in this one. She kicks up the sword and she, like, kills him with his own machete and she's like, whoop. And Billy's like, and goes right through his hand, like, ta, ta, head splits open, punches it, brain goes out. Duncan! Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. On Horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror movie discussions and reviews for classic films and new releases. We are your horror hosts, Gilman Joel, Dr. Shock, and the Wolfman. All right, so we are raring and ready to go. We are doing a themed episode. This one is one that is near and dear to my heart, primarily because of the two movies that we are going to be doing our feature reviews about, which we will get to that momentarily. But the theme of this episode is Horrors of the Silver Screen. Horror movies that are at least marginally set in or around a movie theater. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which sounds like a theme I, I would come up with because, you know, it's a sort of oddly vague and nondescript and meandering title. <laughs> Some are in the production of the movie and others are within the movie theater itself. <laughs> They're basically meta films, but not only meta films. There's actually a physical yes. connection with the cinema happening in each of these films. Yeah, the, at least at least in some scene or sequence, and, and obviously in particular with the two movies we're going to feature review, it is the primary setting. But in a lot of these movies that we'll kind of touch on, some of them just have a scene or a sequence that takes in and around, but it's a pivotal one usually. So I think right out the gate, why don't we jump on over to uh, Film School Rejects? Because uh, as you told me, Wolfman, apparently they had an article that came out uh, about a little less than a month ago that ties in wonderfully with our topic of conversation. Yeah, I mean, it was a good coincidence because we've been talking about doing this episode for a year at least. Um, but it was kind of a fun coincidence that they had their article come out at the same time. And that was gave me an excuse to post that on Twitter and ask the listeners what their favorite 
movies were that were connected to the theater or the film production. So we've got some good listener feedback on this as well. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, this is this. So the article is 10 cinema set horror films that are safer than visiting a movie theater. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number 10, we've got Messiah of Evil from 1973, a movie that I have to be honest, I am not familiar with. Me neither. I haven't seen that one. Their number nine is Matinee. The people that go like this at the scary parts, they're not getting the whole benefit. You got to keep your eyes open. What's the benefit? Okay, like uh, a zillion years ago, a guy's living in the cave. He goes out one day, bam, he gets chased by a mammoth. Now he's scared to death, but he gets away. And when it's all over with, he feels great. Well, yeah, because he's still living. Yeah, but he knows he is, and he feels it. So he goes home, back to the cave. First thing he does, he does a drawing of the mammoth. And he thinks, people are coming to see this. Let's make it good. Let's make the teeth real long and the eyes real mean. Boom. The first monster movie. That's probably why I still do it. Make the teeth as big as you want, then you kill it off, everything's okay, the lights come up. <sighs> you see, the people come into your cave with a 200-year-old carpet. The guy tears your ticket in half. It's too late to turn back now. Water fountain's all booby-trapped and ready. That stuff laid out on the candy counter. Then you come over here to where it's dark. It could be anything in there. And you say, Here I am. What have you got for me? And Matinee is such a, a fun movie. It's about William Castle. John Goodman is, is essentially William Castle in that film. And uh, it takes place during uh, the early 60s, uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis. In Florida. In Florida, yeah. It's a, a very entertaining film. And if you're a fan of William Castle, and I don't know why you you wouldn't be, uh, it's one to definitely want to check out. Yeah, definitely. I showed my kids uh, the, uh, I always want to say The Haunting of Hill House, but I know that's not right. The House on Haunted yeah, Hill. Yes, yes <laughs> I love that. That's my Vincent, favorite Vincent Price movie. Yes. It's The House on Haunted Hill. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I forgot how much I loved it. My kids loved it. It is such a great, I love uh, Vincent uh, Price so much. It's kind of like William Castle come to life within a horror movie, which was a fun idea. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah it really of, was. That's kind of what matinee is too. And and we get a little bit of that in popcorn as well, which is one of the feature reviews. But I, I really like this concept and I, I love Joe Dante. I feel like his sensibilities are just my favorite. I, anything he makes generally with the exception of a couple of his last two movies are just exactly what I want to watch. I, mm-hmm. I love his obsessions. Mm-hmm. They, they co- they coalesce well with my own. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And uh, number eight on their list, you mentioned it already. And what, what popcorn. Yeah. yeah. We'll save that for the feature of you, obviously. Right. Right. Yeah, well, we'll we'll, say, we'll save our feelings about that. I, I'm sure my what what wouldn't give it away. How I feel about popcorn from 1991. Number seven. Now, this is one where it is not primarily in a movie theater, but there is a key element scene sequence that does take in and around take place in and around a movie theater, and that is an American Werewolf in yeah. London from 1981. That, that, yeah. you know, it's funny. That's the scene I think of with this film i mean there's a lot of great scenes in american werewolf from london but i remember that scene where he's just pointing out all these people you know that hey the, here's another uh, here's another group you've damned and oh and these people over here you've damned I, it's just a great scene it really is 
Yeah, I was listening recently to an interview with Rick Baker, uh, and he was talking about that when they wrote the screenplay, that was intended to be a children's cartoon theater because that's what was really there in Piccadilly Circus. And when they got there, the children's theater had been replaced, <laughs> and so they had to come up with that <laughs> new sequence, which I thought was kind of an interesting little behind-the-scenes note there, and it worked yeah. out perfectly for the film. Definitely. Next up, another Dante classic, Gremlins in 1984. Of course, we have the Snow White sequence in, in uh, Gremlins. Yes. The hi-ho, hi-ho. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely one of my most used memes are Gremlins eating popcorn. <laughs> yes. Next up, and I'm so happy to see it here, all of my fellow Fred heads out there, they're representing number five, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master from 1988, when the young Alice finds herself watching something at a, at a, it was a Bijou Theater or whatever, and uh, all kinds of wacky Freddy Krueger shenanigans happens, and she's getting you know pulled off the balcony and uh, had the great fortune of getting to talk to Lisa Wilcox, who played Alice on Retro Movie Geek a couple years back, and she told us how they did all that, which was really cool. So if you're interested... Go back into the archives of Retro Movie Geek and uh, you'll find we did two different interviews with her. Oh, so super awesome that's person. Great. And then next up we have doo -doo 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 -doo. Ah, one of the greatest. Number three, Scream 2 from 1997. Fantastic scene. Yep. Oh, yeah. it is. With Jada Pika Smith and uh, Omar Epps. I love the opening yep. to that. Uh, I was listening to Father and Son Watch Horror and they were actually when they covered they did scream coverage and they mentioned that I guess Matt had gone to that theater quite a bit when he lived oh. in LA. So he, he said when scream Two opened for him, it was kind of a really cool experience to, you know, realize he recognized a lot of the stuff that was featured there. Oh, that's interesting because the rest of the movie was filmed, not in Los Angeles. So I would have just assumed yeah. that was filmed where the rest of the movie was filmed, but that makes sense because they don't utilize any of the main cast. So there's no reason to fly those two all the way out. Yeah. To right. Where were they shot? That's interesting. Yeah. Wasn't it somewhere in Georgia? I think it was. Yeah. We'll get into this with Demons, but there is a sequence in Demons, which is the other movie we're feature reviewing, I feel is very reminiscent in some ways of this scene. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I mean, it's we'll, a great, we'll it's it. a great scene. First of all, you know, Scream was such a huge success and those Scream masks were everywhere. And so it's interesting to start Scream 2 off where now it's, it was already a meta series, but now it's on a whole new level. Now everyone in the theater was wearing these masks and he goes into the restroom, Omar Epps, and there's a guy at the urinal wearing the mask. And it's just, it's got such a great postmodern fantasy going on there and then you've also you know jada pinkett smith of course gets into an entanglement which is always difficult but the one thing i remember also about this film is that there was an mtv contest because i was obsessed with the first movie and there was an mtv contest you could win a role in scream 2 a walk-on role you get oh, to go to the set that'd be awesome and you get to be on set with the actors and they put you in the movie with like a one line or something and i entered that contest believe you me and <laughs> when they announced the winner it was this young lady she's in the movie and it's in this scene so she actually now again knowing that it was filmed in los angeles she probably didn't get to see any of the other cast because none of them are in the movie uh, right. and she just has this one line i can't remember what it is if i'd thought about it before i would have looked it up but she's basically like the person taking the tickets i think when they walk in she hands them yes. like her mask and stuff but when you said that wolfman when you said that i just remember it all it was like the ending of sixth sense like it all just came flooding <laughs> back in no i remember because 
because I remember when that contest happened, I didn't enter at the time, even though I loved the uh, other one. I, I was a little bit older than you. So I was I'm probably too cool for school. You're too jaded. I'm like, oh, I don't need to be in that. <laughs> so I remember, though, reading in either it was I read it somewhere that somebody had been, you know, picked for this contest and that they were the ticket. Take. So I actually remember thinking because I also remember the time thinking, oh, you know, that was an interesting acting decision a choice that was a (laughs) i was a little judgmental (laughs) she's not great but you know who who amongst us would have been it wouldn't matter we get to be in a screen movie that would have been amazing so uh, i wish it had been you i'm not gonna lie a little bias on my part but i wish it had been you (laughs) that makes two of us speaking of two number two on their list is one of my all-time favorite not just of the 80s but of any decade horror movies and that is the blob Oh yeah. I guess I should say remake. It technically is, but it's a movie. It's like John Carpenter's The Thing. It's it's unto itself, and uh, it is an amazing movie. It does have a scene that takes place in a movie theater, much like the original yeah, right. did as well. Yeah, the original is in the theater. That's like I I think I mentioned before, right down the road from me, about yeah. like ten miles down the road is is where they filmed the original Blob. But yeah, the remake is a hell of a lot of fun. It really is. Yeah. Well, I think if we ever do another HMP meetup, I'm just saying we know another possible location. (laughs) There you go. All right. Number one on their list, and it makes perfect sense why, it's Demons from 1985. Yep. A movie that we'll be covering soon. Coming up in our feature reviews, so we'll save that for now. Um, I posted this article to Twitter, and that was on October 26th, and I said, we're actually covering these for our next themed episode what are some other movie theater set scenes that scare you? So we got some feedback from our listeners. Um, Eric Yvonne says anguish from 1987. Amanda Williams says Donnie Darko. Great pick. Oh yeah. David fear says not horror, but probably pretty scary for the people locked in. It's inglorious bastards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Halloween year round says the final girls when they get sucked into the movie. Yes. Cynthia Glasson says not many have seen it probably, but there's a really good one in the early seventies oddity Messiah of evil. If you've seen it, you'll most likely remember it. Oh, that's, that was on the list that we uh, just mentioned. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. yeah. The first time, right. number 10. Yep. Karen says the blob, both versions. Yes. She also yeah. says Midnight Movie had quite a few. The whole thing is in a theater. And mm-hmm. I agree. that That's a, one that freaked me out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Christine, she said not much for scares, but she wanted to mention the Tingler matinee and popcorn. So, yeah. And nobody cool. mentioned The Last Action Hero. <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the few movies that I seriously considered walking out of people were just actively talking to each other through the entire screening <laughs> because nobody was paying attention so it wasn't to really movie. it was kind of the movie's fault but that's not why you wanted to walk out you were more reacting to the audiences not being considerate to the riveting cinema that was the last action hero Sure, sure. Okay. Now, I'm going to go through our list, our additional titles of note that we would like to mention in regards to this theme. All right. So first up, we got Peeping Tom from 1960. It's a good one. Yeah. Peeping Tom is a classic, and that is uh, one where the camera is really the killer, which is kind of an exciting thing. Um, We talked about this back in episode 21 of Horror Movie Podcast, one of our first themed episodes that I had a great time recording. It was called The Proto Slasher precursor to a subgenre, And we talked about some films that kind of preceded the slasher genre. Uh, we talked about Psycho, Peeping Tom, uh, Town of the Dreaded Sundown, and Torso. So I'd recommend people check that one out if they haven't heard it yet. You didn't, t- you didn't cover Bay of Blood? 
We talked about a lot of films during the theme discussion, but those were our feature reviews. Okay. I got called out one time for not, I, I dared to say like black, in my mind, Black Christmas and Psycho or like the, the proto slash. This was a lot years ago on some message board and I just got just raked across the coals for, for not mentioning Bava. <laughs> it's like, how <laughs> dare you? How dare you, sir? <laughs> All right. So then we've got Messiah of Evil from 73, which you've already uh, mentioned earlier. Drive-In Massacre from 1976, a movie that has to be mentioned if for no other reason than it was apparently co-written by George Buck Flowers. You know him, you love him as the bearded guy, uh, homeless guy from Back to the Future and often playing some sort of like homeless, transient individual, oftentimes uh, inebriated in a lot of John Carpenter movies. <laughs> so <laughs> definitely check that one out. Uh, we've got Ruby from 1977. Yes, I, I saw Ruby not too long ago, direct, directed by Curtis Harrington. It's got an interesting setup. It starts, uh, I want to say, back in the uh, in the 30s, uh, you know, gangster era. Ruby, uh, at that point, was the girlfriend of a mobster or a, uh, a member of this mob. Uh, the opening scene, they're out at a dock. They're having a romantic dinner. Ruby's pregnant she's about to give birth it looks like you know she's pretty uh, i'd say probably nine months long at this point um the other members of the gang turn up and kill her boyfriend in front of her blow him away all of these members of the gang uh just just shoot him and it sends her into labor she ends up giving birth well now we jump ahead a whole bunch of years Ruby is running a drive-in and the guys working in the drive-in are the guys who killed her boyfriend. The ex-mob members are now working at the drive-in. And what happens is uh, the, uh, I guess the angry spirit of her uh, deceased lover comes back to haunt, uh, to, to get his revenge, uh, uh, to get his revenge against uh, the other uh members of the gang, but also against Ruby. Uh, you know, he's not too happy that Ruby has um, moved on and um, the way it is treating the daughter. It's like, the, the, you know, the uh, the uh, her ex-lover was the father, obviously, or the, her dead lover was the father. Uh, and it all, it all takes place in a drive-in. There are several murders that take place in a drive-in. The best one actually happens in the projection room, and that's right at the beginning of the movie, uh, where the uh, the spirit comes back to get its revenge. Uh, Ruby is a hit and miss. It's not a great film, but um, I don't know. It's it's one that if you get a chance to see it, I think it would be worth watching. It's under an hour and a half. Uh, it'd be worth checking out. And it has Piper Laurie in it. This is this is a Piper Laurie post Carrie, like a year I think or so after she made Carrie, and she is the star. She plays a title character. Very cool. And we have Rapture from nineteen seventy nine. And the last horror film from 1982, a movie that I just remember the video box, but I've never seen. <laughs> Dead End Drive-In from 1986, which I believe wasn't that Brian Trenchard Smith that directed that one? Brian Trenchard Smith directed the Dead End Drive-In. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, it, it's not horror. This is horror adjacent. It's about a guy who uh, he takes his date to a drive-in. And there's a, a sign there that says, if you want to save money on tickets, you could tell the, the supervisor of this theater that you're unemployed. You know, the regular admission is $10, but when you're unemployed, it's only $350. Okay, well, that gets him in there. But the problem is then he can't get out because this is actually a detention camp 
for the, uh, I guess, the considered the uh, undesirables of society. And uh, our star, our uh, hero, I'm trying to find his name here. Uh, Krabs is his name, played by Ned Manning. Uh, him and his date are stuck in, the th in this drive-in, along with dozens and maybe, you know, several dozens of other uh, individuals whose cars are there. And it basically is now where they live. They live in the drive-in. That's why it's called, you know, got, got its title, Dead End Drive-In. Um, but what's interesting about the film is it does have a lot to say about race relations in Australia at the time. Uh it's not just a straight-up exploitation film. When you hear the name Brian Trenchard Smith, and you're thinking, okay, well, you know, this this is the guy who did Stunt Rock and uh, you know movies like that. This one actually has a message to it, and it's it's a very uh, interesting film, and I think it's a very well-made film. This this is my favorite Brian Trenchard Smith movie, as a matter of fact. Next up, we have He Knows You're Alone from 1980. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, does anybody know the trivia of who's so this is the feature debut of Tom Hanks. Yes, yep. it is. Yep. As a matter of fact, Tom Hanks's character had a scene in it where he was going to be one of the victims. They cut it out because audience reaction to his character was so positive they didn't want to kill him off. <laughs> Even he then, just disappeared. He's in like one or two scenes and then he's gone. He's like he never appears in it again. Yeah, even back then he was like America's sweetheart. He was, he's such a <laughs> nice guy. He's Mr. Future Mr. Rogers. You can't right, kill him. Right. <laughs> And that's a very notable movie theater scene, I would say, as well. Absolutely. All right, we've got Return to Horror High from 1987. This one's notable for another movie star, I think, <laughs> George Clooney. Yeah. Yep. Who was in another Return horror movie, right? Re or it was in a Return, Return of the, the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah, Return of the yeah. Killer Tomatoes. Yeah. Of yep. course, yeah. Which also, had, you know, they do a little bit of meta stuff as well, now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yep. Uh, Terror Eyes from 1989. And I'm not going to do it. I'm controlling myself. And <laughs> <laughs> Bad Girls from Mars, 1990. Sounds like a class act. <laughs> uh, we got Cat in the Brain from 1990. That was a Fulci film, right? Oh, Fulci film, yes. Yes. Cape Fear, 1991. I love that remake. The Scorsese directed one. Yep. Very memorable scene with De Niro in that. Yeah. You know, it's like De Niro just sort of stoking the, you know, he, he's trying to get under Nick Nolte's mm -hmm. skin in that, in that scene. Oh yeah. Oh and yeah. And that's where it sort of starts. And then from that point on, it just gets crazy. And I think we all can relate to uh, having been in movie theaters where people were pretty much acting like that just on the regular. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> we got Man Bites Dog from 1992. Oh my God. This movie, th this movie shook me something fierce <laughs> i watched it not too long ago criterion has a uh a release of this one and i i had uh all these criterion movies and i said i'm going to start watching these things you know it's about time i've owned these things for a while i'm going to start watching them and boy man bites dog it's black and white it's it's about this this film crew that's following a serial killer it's, it's almost along the lines of um leslie vernon except it's not so much a cinema serial killer as it is in leslie vernon you know the the unkillable jason Voorhees, the michael myers that we get in in uh you know the rise of leslie vernon this one is about just this guy and what happens in the film is so disturbing it's so troubling because there's a moment moments when the film crew get involved they're not just watching they get involved with this guy and take part in some of what he's doing and it's just 
it's a French film and um, I recommend it. I think it's very well made. I think it's a, uh, it, it's a good movie, but it's one that I think you're going to want to tread lightly. You know, if, if, uh, if you're easily disturbed by seeing it, what's that one I'm trying to think of from um, 1986 Henry uh, with Mike, Mike Henry, Henry, there are scenes in Henry that disturbed me. And those type of scenes are also in man, man bites dog. Yeah. It, it's funny. I remember I was working at a movie theater and one of my managers, uh, he's the one that I mentioned in the, I think it was the drive it episode. Yeah. He was into way more extreme horror than I was <laughs> like way more. Right. And, uh, but he mentioned man bites dog to me and he kind of explained it. And then he showed me something, some picture where that like, was the original poster where the guy is like blasting a gun into a baby's crib or something. And oh, you can see like it, this it, bloody size, really rough stuff. It I was really like, is. I was like, you know, I love me some horror, but at the end of the day, <laughs> there are just yeah. some things not my I cup think, of tea. Uh, yeah, I think that and that's how you're going to have to approach the film, I think, because there are it's very disturbing. Yet p- proving, though, that I am a bit of a paradox, even unto myself. I love Henry Porter, Portrait of a Serial Killer. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't. All right. So Matinee, 1993. We already mentioned that one. Wes Craven's New Nightmare, 1984. I think this is a fantastic movie. Um, it's obviously a movie about movies it's the i often thought i want even though i know williamson gets all the credit in the world for writing scream but let's be honest you know craven wrote this and this is scream before scream yeah i mean williamson actually had the nerve to tell Wes craven that this movie sucked on (laughs) the scream commentary yeah which Mm -hmm. i was always like dude but that had to have been a major influence on this right yes had to be yeah. Uh, Outbreak 1995. I saw you putting that on Wolfman as we were talking. <laughs> I, oh, la- I, la- yes. had to, I had to hide and mute myself there because I started laughing, uh, especially since I'll admit, I, don't, I think have either of you been into a movie theater since the pandemic started? No, I have not. Wolfman, have you? <laughs> no, I haven't been inside anywhere other than my house. OK, I have been into a movie theater once and they had us way spread apart and and yet way in the back. I hear some dude. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm like, really, dude? And then, of course, the only scene I could picture, because we actually covered this a few months back on Retro Movie Geek, the only scene I could freaking picture. <laughs> It's the one in Outbreak. Out, we covered Outbreak on our... Um, uh, we covered on HMP, too. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Right? So, oh, my God. Yeah, that was my move. I mean, you know, there's the whole George Costanza <laughs> thing about how he keeps going to the movie theater over and over again so he can tell his joke. Um, that's got to hurt when the... I think it's when a boat blows up in the movie yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I did that with Outbreak. It was the dollar movie, and we just went... Over and over and over again, just so we could cough during that scene. <laughs> oh, you were those kids. You were those kids. Okay. okay. All right. So Don't Look Up, 1996. So this is a Japanese film from 1996. A filmmaker and crew slowly go insane after being continually haunted by the ghost of a dead actress. And so there is a 2009 film also on our list that I think must be related to it. This one says evil spirits released from old celluloid cause a film crew to slowly go insane while in production on a new project. And there's one currently in pre-production i guess since they're not shooting but with leonardo dicaprio so i wonder if this is also like a remake of that yeah maybe uh, japanese film i know he's big in japanese cinema yeah and then of course we have we mentioned scream 2 already but the scream franchise uh, obviously all about movies uh, several of them have scenes in movie theaters yeah. Movies yeah, I, mean, about I think movie- the first movie i wouldn't have put on this list Probably because not, it's yeah. just 
you know, it's just a postmodern meta conversation about movies, but two has the scene in the movie theater. Yep. Three is fully in this world where they're making a movie the yep. entire time during that film, which I think is, I love, I know a lot of people don't. And then I guess there also is kind of like a movie theater moment in the fourth movie where they go to that barn and they're projecting yeah. the film yeah. in the yeah. movie. So the, and there's a kill during that yeah, scene that's actually true. as well. So. You can almost call that like one of those uh, like like grassroots drive-ins that we've had pop up since the pandemic started yeah. it's almost the, the barn yeah. feel i need to revisit yeah. Ford, dude i've only seen it like once or barn pop-up yeah there you go yeah, yeah. I, I really <laughs> want to revisit scream four because i feel like i didn't dislike it but i i love one through three and i just need to i need to go back and revisit yeah it's not good but since they're making five yeah might as well, might as well. shadow of the vampire from 2000 oh of course. yes Lo- i love that film the 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 making of Nosferatu. Yes. Yeah, uh, and and just the the, the great uh, the great plot twist that uh, Murnau hired a vampire to play an actor portraying a vampire. I, I and Willem Dafoe is amazing in that movie. A uh, Dave. If you've not seen Shadow of the Vampire. We say this at least once a year on the show, but absolutely go check out that movie, and it's a great double feature with the original Nosferatu or Herzog's Nosferatu, frankly. Okay, but. so I feel like this this epi- these episodes have not had their fair share of controversy in quite some time. I've right. se- I've seen Shadow of the Vampire, saw it once. I'm not gonna even okay. I'm not gonna even front, guys. I'm not even gonna front. This is the point where Daryl groans, by the way, when I say that. Um Shadow of the Vampire, I didn't love it when I saw it. Ooh. I don't uh, know why. I don't know why. No I well d- duh <laughs> <laughs> so I I need I feel like that is what I absolutely need to go revisit because in 2000 I was like 23 24ish not that that's an excuse right. I'm sure there's 23 to 24 year olds had, had you seen Nosferatu at that point yeah I was very familiar with okay. Nosferatu but All I just right. I don't know something about, you know sometimes you go into a movie and you're in a you got a bad attitude like I was in, I had a right. bad attitude that day I, I was lucky I saw it on the big screen I, I did mean, too I, I, I saw, saw the theater. this when it was released and my a friend a co-worker of mine said hey there's this movie and he explained the plot to me and I said well we got to go see it and we went that afternoon and checked it out and yeah. I loved it I just don't know why but I, I don't remember much I just remember not loving it and I, I need to revisit mm. I need to revisit yeah I'm pretty sure I saw this in the theater as well I was obsessed with this movie when it came out but you know I Nosferatu is one of my all-time favorite films, so that's yep. a big part of sure. it. But um, I, you know, I, isn't, wasn't this during your film stomp period also? When, yeah, when you would think, right? Except, but so is the next. So is the next one that came out the same year, and I definitely saw this in the movie theater and probably liked it, which is Urban Legends Final Cut. <laughs> that is brutal. <laughs> There's things I like about it. If they didn't, number one, if they didn't try to connect it to the Urban Legends franchise, which they don't do a great job of. I mean, it's not like there's much connection, but uh-huh. there's just no point in connecting it. Number one, but number two, it's just yeah, it's just so of its era. Like you would never sure. make that movie before or after that. But I, you know, I do think there's something fun about it in like kind of the film school setting, and the, the there's kind of like a jerky <laughs> filmmaker depicted in the film and apparently it's based on brian singer i always love that little bit of trivia because i guess the director of this film yeah. went to film school with brian singer yes and wasn't he also hmm. maybe the editor on usual suspects like i think you had some he was an editor right wasn't the guy who directed yeah the second? something yeah. like that yeah. yeah yeah i actually i loved first urban legends i remember loving that movie and the second one i did see in the theater for sure i honestly remember nothing about it <laughs> so i i, I definitely I, I wouldn't mind reading both of those movies but this yeah. one's more interesting than the. I just recently watched this. I saw this again this year, 
And I, I think it's more interesting than the first film personally, okay. but not a great fit for the urban legends franchise. Again, the, I, only the first movie really fits with the franchise. How many did they make? There's at least three. It's a really one, Mary was the third one. Okay. I didn't even realize so, that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have a David Lynch film, which is Mulholland drive from 2001. I love yes, this movie. I this do too. Never saw it. Oh God, you have to, you have to see it. You have to see Mulholland Drive. I know. I don't, you know what? It's funny. David Lynch is the weirdest filmmaker for me because I've only seen a handful of his movies, right? And a lot mm-hmm. of them, you know, people would talk him up and be like, okay, whatever, whatever, man. And then I'd see him I, and like Wild at Heart. So my friend had it on Laserdisc. You got to see this movie. I'm like, whatever, man. See, it. I'm like, oh my God, that was amazing. Blue yeah. Velvet. You got to see this, man. I'm like, whatever. It's weird. Dennis Hopper. Like, oh, baby, baby. What's happening? I don't know. And then, oh my God, it's amazing. So like, I yeah. feel like every David Lynch, I always have to get dragged. Like I'm dragging, kicking his screen. And every time I enjoy them. So I need to see it. Mulholland Drive is, is incredible. There's the scene I always think of, of course, is, is set in a, in a theater, I don't know if it's a movie theater, but it's it's a uh, the rendition of um, the uh, Roy Orbison's crying. Uh, yes. Such an amazing scene. I mean, just a, an amazing scene. The whole idea of this was it was a television series that David Lynch was making, and then it wasn't going to be a series, so he turned it into a feature film. And you could tell when that transition happens because the first part of the movie could have played on ABC. The second part of the movie is just filled with nudity and sex and just craziness. But it's so hypnotic, I think, is the best way to put it. You just can't look away, and you can't, and you don't even know what the hell's going on, but you can't stop watching. <laughs> It can't. It captures the frustration. Isn't even the right word, but just the desperation of Hollywood in a way that nothing else I've ever seen has. It just you, Naomi Watts' character, just perfectly encapsulates the struggle of like a, an actress who's there and on the fringes, but it can't be accepted into this world. And when you watch the film now knowing that it's Naomi Watts breakout role. This is what made her famous was this film. Yeah. You think you probably now seen it. Now you probably think it's for one reason. (laughs) Um, You know, Dave alluded to just a minute ago. Right. Right. But it's really not, it's really her acting. And the thing about seeing it now out of context is we all know she's an amazing actress. So, but when you saw it, then I didn't know who she was. And so watching that film, the first half you think, Oh, this lead actress is brutal. (laughs) <laughs> she's so bad and then there's a switch that happens in the film and you're like and this it's a jaw-dropping scene if you don't know who naomi watts is you're like this is amazing who is this person this is incredible <laughs> yeah. and and i don't think you can have that experience now having you know if you've seen naomi watson that does her movies because she's proved herself just to be you know one of our great actresses of her generation but um Man, that was really shocking the first time I saw it. And there are just some great Hollywood scenes, like a party scene. And, you know, this relationship she has with this other woman is so fascinating. And I don't want to get into the spoilers of it, but I think this is a film worth talking about in greater detail at some point. You know what would be a good, not to completely derail, I know we're focused on this theme, but I would love to do a themed episode with, because I feel like David Lynch movies are, so many of them are horror adjacent. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I would. Yeah, we should do a lunch. We should do a lunch. Yeah, uh, that'd be fun. Sure. There's a lot I have never seen of his, and I've always wanted to watch. So that would be a good excuse for me to dig those up. So that'd be cool. Yep. Uh, we've got the last horror movie 
from 2003, which obviously is false advertising because there was many more after that. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> I, I wonder if that one's a remake of the earlier one as well. Yeah, might be. Uh, Seed of Chucky, the only Child's Play movie I have refused to finish from 2004. <laughs> I I love all Child's Play movies. I have not seen Colt yet, not because I didn't want to, I just haven't had the time, so I, I, it's on my list. I have the whole box set. If you're a big... Bride of Chucky fan, um, we did cover this movie in in full during our franchise review of Child's Play. You can find it at horrormoviepodcast.com. All right, next up we have Behind the Mask. You mentioned this earlier, The Rise of Leslie Vernon from 2006. Yep. Mm-hmm. I intentionally, when I was adding some movies to the list, I was trying to not include found footage films, but I wasn't sure if this one really qualified. It's related to found footage, but I don't know if it's technically found footage. You know, it's 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 similarly about a documentary crew um, following a serial killer and it's an interesting premise for sure. And you get, and you meet, it's like if you were following Jason in a movie and then you got to meet Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger later in the film. And you know, it's just kind of a weird, interesting, I know people love this movie. It's not for me, but it's, it's an interesting film anyway. Yeah. Yep. All right. What about Grindhouse 2007? Oh, I think it's the best. I, I, I it was, <laughs> I was my favorite cinematic experience of 2007, seeing Grindhouse in the theater. And 2007 was a strong year for movies. I mean, we got No Country for Old Men. We got There Will Be Blood. A lot of great movies came out in 2007. But my favorite cinematic experience was just sitting there for the, whatever, three and a half, three over three and a half hours, whatever it was, watching Grindhouse. I loved it with the fake trailers. It was a thing of beauty. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Because when they released it on DVD at the time, it hadn't done well in theater. So they released Tarantino's film separately first because they thought, well, this didn't make a lot of money, but I bet we can still make a ton of money on a Tarantino movie. (laughs) And then they later released uh, Robert Rodriguez as well. But, you know, it just wasn't the same. There was some, this was one of my best theater experiences of my life was seeing this in the theater. And And then now at least they have the Blu-ray where you can sit down and have the full grindhouse experience, which I just think anyone who hasn't done it, Joel, this is where it needs to be a video podcast. Cause this whole time I would just been like looking around like, (laughs) (laughs) get yourself a big tub of popcorn. The wife and the kids are off in Gatorland for the day. <laughs> yes. Hey, honey, here's some tickets to Gatorland. I got some grindhousing to do. Uh, well, speaking of 2007 being a great year, a movie that I have seen, and this is the point where everyone in the audience goes, of course you did. And that is My Name is Bruce. Yes. <laughs> a a well, starring, nice. written, and directed by the one, the only, Mr. Bruce Campbell. And let me just real quick read the IMDb synopsis for anyone who doesn't know. Mistaken for his character, Ash, from the Evil Dead trilogy, Bruce Campbell is forced to fight a real monster in a small Oregon town. And now this is the part where I add on, and actually I take it back. Campbell did not write it. He just directed it. I thought he wrote it as well, but he directed it. Um, it's sort of like three amigos <laughs> <laughs> with Bruce Campbell and a monster. Perfect. Yeah. It, I haven't seen it in years. I really would love to watch it again. I've, I've, seen, I've seen it at least two or three times. Uh, I remember getting uh, the DVD and watching all the extras and, and I think he actually shot, I think he has a big 
pretty big piece of property he owns in Oregon, and I think they shot a lot of it there. I mean, you've got cameos of with Ellen Sandweiss from the original Evil Dead, Dan Hicks, who is uh, in Evil Dead 2. It's a ton of people uh, that you recognize, Ted Raimi, and it is just a as goofy and silly and fun as it sounds like it would be. And it's, you know, technically, you know, it's Bruce Campbell, essentially. But it's sort of like he's playing this sort of version of himself that's absurd. It's a, it's a self-parody. Total and so self-parody. he's over the top. I, I, my, I, I love the scene where he's watching that sort of Entertainment Tonight show and they're talking <laughs> about him and they put him in the where are they now category. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's fantastic. I, this was one when I worked at the video store, you know, as video stores were on their last legs. This was one of those films that I always wanted to see. I would always see it on the shelf. It was always checked out. There was only one copy of it, and I could never see this thing. And I would every time I would go look for it, it was gone. And then one day it came in, and we're like, let's put it in right now. We put it in, took out the discs at Blockbuster. We weren't allowed to put in our own movies. And so I was doing this completely illegally, popping <laughs> out the movie that was supposed to be playing on there, which is just like commercials. You're watching commercials all day for your shift. And we pop in this movie. We're watching it. <clears throat> and someone comes in and was like, I've been meaning to rent that. And they <laughs> took our one copy. Oh, <laughs> I've seen like five minutes of this movie. And then I forgot about it until we had this conversation. So yes, uh, well, yeah, we, check it out. We definitely need to have an excuse to also have a Bruce Campbell themed episode that are movies that aren't evil dead. <laughs> Absolutely. And we could throw this Bubba Hotep. Yep. We got a whole bunch of them. We yep. could throw in yep. the man with the screaming brain. I believe. Yep. That, yes, that's right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And Joel's got his next themed episode Uh-oh. ready. <laughs> I, I, I think we're noticing a theme about Joel's themed episodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cheesy. All right. Midnight movie, 2008. I believe we mentioned that. Uh, or was it, isn't that one that uh, one of the people on Twitter, I think, mentioned? I, yeah. Yeah. It was a good low budget indie slasher. I, it was one that would actually make a great, probably double feature with something like popcorn. But okay. Um, yeah. Uh, Don't look up 2009. We mentioned that already. Skeleton crew, 2009. Now you have, Found footage with like 18 question marks after it. So <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't sure if it was found footage or not. I haven't seen it. Okay. Um, something that I have definitely been accused of silent, but deadly 2010. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen this one, but uh, you know, as we were trying to figure out what this movie was before the show started, just the fact that Jay Muse is in a movie called silent, but deadly. Uh, yes. Huh. Probably worth checking I out. I definitely will check that out. And William, and William Sadler is his co-star. Yeah. Yes. William Sadler's in it as well. And as I was looking up what it's about, it's uh, an unconventional and mysterious serial killer takes aim at a Hollywood film set by unleashing his own brand of retribution <laughs> on the cast and crew. And based on the title, <laughs> I, think, I think we know what that is. His weapon of choice. Like, like, do you think there's any Dutch oven moments? Do you think they actually like? <laughs> oh, man. All right. So next up, 2011. I think we all could agree. This movie is great. Cabin in the Woods. Oh, yeah. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That was one of those. He- that was one of those Wolfman hem and haws. What's happening? I don't like it tonally. Like, I don't like the approach they took to any of the horror elements. I really love the whole underground world. And I love what they're trying to do, but I don't love their um, depiction of a lot of the different types of horror characters in, you know, in the upstairs world as much. I got you. You It's fun when they're all coming to life downstairs, but um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was. I think my love for this was forged in defending it from like Bill Shetty because I was, <laughs> there were. There's a certain group of horror fans who think this is making fun of those films, and so yeah. we shouldn't watch it. And I, I don't think that's the case. I think it's a loving tribute, and there's a really smart look at the ways in which um, horror movies function in our world. But hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I never took it that way. But it's not my, um, it's not necessarily my cup of tea stylistically, I guess, weirdly. Okay. Yeah. You, yet you still defend it. You're very noble. Well, I defend its themes. I don't, I don't love its visuals. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I, don't I, know, like I get zombies it. very well. Yeah. Or like, I, I feel like you get this a lot. I mean, we get this with another film on this list, the uh, scare package, like, there are horror movies about horror movies, but then when you actually you're seeing the film within a film, it doesn't feel like what a horror movie would feel yes, like. You I get you. I mean? yeah, like no, it I get it. I totally get it. Yeah, it doesn't strike quite the right. Yeah, I get it. I know. I, I told. Whereas, I, I, you know, I've heard Grindhouse. However, <laughs> it does yeah. does in fact it, at it least does. feel somewhat like movies of that era. For sure. All right. So then we have Chillorama 2011, a movie I have not seen, but every time I see the little thumbnail pop up on Amazon recommending things for me, I always, I think it's supposed to, it reminds me of the monster from the poster of Parasite, that 1982 movie with Demi Moore. <laughs> every time yeah, I see it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Every it time does. I see it. Every time I see it. Um, one that's on this list that I can safely say Dave will see long before I will, and that is Human Centipede 2. <laughs> Twenty eleven. <laughs> well, the interesting uh, thing about the Human Centipede movies is the first one is just what it is, right? It's yeah. just a movie. The second and third film are these meta movies that take place in a world where the movie Human Centipede exists, and other people are trying to copy that for their own perverse desires. So, do you know what I mean? So yes. that's kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, I once heard someone say, and again, I'm not seeing them. I have no desire whatsoever. I just uh, heard somebody one somebody who had seen them say it was as if a bunch of frat guys got around drunk and and like we're trying to just gross each other out and like somebody came up with the grossest possible scenario and then somebody said, "Hey, you know what? That might make a good movie." Right, right. <laughs> and no. they went with it. I don't remember the circumstances under which I saw the first movie. I did see it. It's not as bad as you would think in some ways, but I certainly not anything I'm ever watching again. I don't remember if I saw the second one. I for sure didn't see the third one. Yeah. But all right, so next up we got Barbarian Sound Studio from 2012. Yeah, I love this movie. It's about a sound designer. And, you know, I, now that I'm thinking about it, Blowout would also I was just thinking the same thing. The yep. same thing popped into my head. We should have mentioned Blowout. Yep. Well, there, yeah, we just out. mentioned it. <laughs> it's on the list now. Blowout, we mentioned it. It counts. Yeah. Blowout is one of my all-time favorite films, so I'm, I'm shocked I hadn't brought it up. But, but Barbarian Sound Studio is really good, too. It is not um, as accessible as Blowout. It's very trippy and kind of you're not sure what's reality and what's not. And it's not this is not going to be for everybody. But for people who like those psychological giallo films that where you're just kind of in a haze through most of your watching experience, uh, Barbarian Sound Studio is a very high quality modern version of that. So, yeah, I, I liked it. And I might be brain farting on the actor's name. It's Toby something or other, right? Isn't Toby, it? Jones? Toby Jones. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I like him a lot. Yeah. I like him a lot. All right. He's cool. great. Yeah. Cut. Is it cut slash print? Because that's how they wrote it from 2012. Cut print. The Haunted Cinema from 2014. Hmm. A movie that, yes, I know it's shameful. I have not seen it yet, but I just haven't. 
It Follows from 2014. Wait, are you serious? You have not I've seen never, It Follows? I've wow. still not seen it. What? I, I know. You, you watch it tonight with your, your wife will like that movie. Oh, you yeah, think so? Okay. Absolutely. All right. And if she yeah. doesn't, can I be mad at you? <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. She won't hate it. I know that. Okay. I, because my wife liked it and she hates horror movies. Okay. So your, your well, my, wife my, is, wife, my wife does like My wife loves The Exorcist. So there you go. She's got, your wife will like it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. what, Dude, I don't know. You know, just there's some that you just know. He's like, there's really no excuse. It's not that he didn't want to see it. It looks fascinating. And you, well, I, I won't spoil it for you then, but I will say this. The movie theater scene in this film was the first time where I really got the sense that something weird was going on and it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and it's so effective because it's so minimalist. There's really nothing happening in the scene, but it, yeah, it's still so scary. Okay. Yeah. This last weekend, we watched Z under your recommendation, uh, Doc. So, yep. uh, we, which we really enjoyed. So, I, I will, on one of our date nights, I will recommend it. And I'll say, Wolfman cool. said, and he said, I could be mad at him if you don't like it, hon. <laughs> oh, I'm, but I, I'm, I'm with Wolf, I'm with Wolfman on this one. I love his follows. Yeah. It was one I have of my not top heard 10 any, that year. Yeah, and I'm not, I remember when you guys with Jay, you, you talked it up. And, and I remember the thing, oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. And then just, you know, didn't see it. So there you go. This was, yeah, I mean, this is one of my favorite films of the decade for sure. And well, it's simple. I don't want to oversell it. It's yeah. a small indie movie, but that's kind of part of its brilliance is that you don't see it coming. I think like yeah. it's, yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, I, I, I await your review okay. because my wife will watch maybe one to two horror movies per year at best. Mm-hmm. And I have to really be careful about the ones I recommend and mm-hmm. they have to be, you know, I, I do a lot of research beforehand. If it's something we're going to see in the theater, I'm taking a huge risk if I haven't seen the movie already. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, this was one of like the four horror movies she enjoys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. All right. I will keep that in mind. All right. So next up, the editor from 2014. Oh yes. The, from the, uh, the gang of uh, Astron six. Yes. Uh, the big joke being there's only five of them. Uh, the creative, <laughs> they also did Father's Day, which is another movie that I really enjoy, but is, is, mm-hmm. is out there. It, it, That's not the, the one with the, Robin Williams and Billy Crystal, is it? I hate that no, movie. Okay. No, no, it's not that one. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> the, the, yeah, the editor, uh, the, the quick IMDb synopsis is a film editor gets embroiled in a string of murders. Well, that's about as simplistic as you can get, but the whole movie is a spoof of Italian films from the seventies and eighties. And I think that's what I love about it. I mean, there's, they sort of uh, take shots at the beyond. Tarantulas just turn up for no good reason throughout the film. <laughs> um, and there's a scene from the New York Ripper, a dog playing fetch, pulls a, retrieves a severed hand, you know, right out of the New York Ripper. Um, Hitchhike, another Italian film. There's a fireside rape scene. Uh, it's a crazy insane film it's got gore it's got nudity in it it's got the dialogue is hilarious and i was trying i looked on imdb to see if i could find a line of dialogue that i could just uh recite because it's it's it the way that they 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 take it like almost from like a dubbed italian film is is what it is i mean there's a scene right. where like the producer's talking he's like oh yeah i remember him uh yeah uh, he's right over there now get the hell out of here you know just like <laughs> out of, like just crazy stuff uh, but it's but it's handled so well and then the gore there's a scene at a at a uh, uh i, I want to say a uh, aerobic studio where a guy thinks a woman's wearing a mask and pulls her face off 
<laughs> just pulls her face off and there's oh sorry and is like putting it back on it's it's a crazy <laughs> comedy it's hilarious and it, it i had so much fun with this movie i really yeah. did i strongly recommend the editor I'm, I'm, I don't have the list in front of me, but I'm pretty sure this made my top 10 the year it came out, or it definitely at least made the honorable mentions the year it came out. I think it was like my number eight to 10 actually that year, but I don't, nice. I don't have the list. Um, I like this movie as well. It's, it is insane, but if you like the movies, these people have done, it's that group in Canada, they've done like the void mm-hmm. and turbo kid and you know, all those just kind of insane movies. This one, imagine them, doing a giallo and that's what you have <laughs> and right. I th- and I, if i'm not mistaken then if it follows is a good example of, of a movie your wife would like <laughs> the editor sounds like a good example of a movie she might not i would never in my life even consider <laughs> right. her this movie. Although she did watch barbarian sound studio with me and didn't completely hate it wow there you go, there you go. <laughs> very cool very cool well what i know none of us hated Because it's heresy, people. It's the final girls from 2015. You cannot hate this movie. No, no. And that's the thing is like this one, it doesn't quite get the slasher world right. It almost does. And it's, it's so arch, but you know, like it's everything else it does that makes it perfect. It's a very silly version of what a slasher would be. Yeah. But Everything else they do is so good. Yes, it yes. really is. You you end up ha- you have tears in your eyes at one point. That was the moment I knew this movie is brilliant. Right. How, how did I just yeah. watch a PG thirteen slasher movie that's about to make me cry? What is happening? Right. <laughs> I got choked up in the first like ten minutes. Yeah. You know, the first time they get in the van, I was like, <gasps> and then I was like, wow, that was crazy. I didn't expect that to happen. And then at the end, oh. it was like. Yeah. yeah. Waterfalls. Yeah, it's right. a great movie. All right. So Director's Cut from 2016 is on the list, uh, as mm. is Ruin Me from 2017. Ruin Me. Ruin Me. And what's the other one on our list? You Might Be the Killers a little bit further down, but those are yeah. two that are on Shudder. I think they're both Shudder originals. They're not either fantastic, but they're both interesting. And if you like this kind of meta horror, I think those are nice disposable easy to watch kind of fun i did really like you might be the killer i yeah. really enjoyed that was said it as a camp right that was at the summer camp yeah yeah yes. that's a fun one is that the one that has willow or other allison hannigan in it isn't isn't she yes. in that? yeah allison hannigan is yeah. in that yes yeah she will forever be willow to me <laughs> i mean it wants to be the final girls it's not but it's still good okay right uh, Blood Fest from 2018 and uh, one i know you covered wolfman knife plus heart from 2018. Yes. Yeah, Blood is kind of like Cabin in the Woods, where it's just like this giant world that's dealing in horror movies, but it doesn't quite get the tone of any of those movies right, but it's still mm-hmm. fun and smart and worth checking out, I think. So it came out um, around the same time as Hellfest, didn't it? I think and they're yes. not yeah, totally dissimilar. Yeah. Yeah. I, rec- I reviewed them on the same episode, I think. Yeah. Yes, right. yes, yes, I remember that. Yep. I liked Hellfest a lot. I did too. Yeah. And this then, is much sillier and comedic, but yeah. And then Knife Plus Heart, I remember. Didn't you? Didn't you review that one? Yes. Yeah. 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 Like Knife Plus Heart. When you talk about horror in a movie theater, the scene in this movie that takes place in the movie theater, and the whole film actually is like film production as well. But right. there's a scene toward the end that's just really creepy and scary at, at the movie theater. And it rem- that's kind of what I think of. I, I think of, you know, the Cape Fear scene is like the kind of scene I think of. There's also a political thriller 
can't remember what it is. I was trying to think of it this whole time. It's like Absolute Power or Murder at 1600 or one of those types of movies. Uh, from, from that time period? Yeah. That late 90s, or yeah, the late 90s, mid to late 90s. Yeah, but there's this great scene where someone's at the movie theater and I think it is a porno theater. And someone, <laughs> the killer comes and sits behind the person in the theater and reaches down below. And you think they're doing one thing, but they're not. And they're taking off their belt. And then they strangle the person in the movie theater. Oh, yeah, that does sound familiar. I can't remember what the movie is. I've been racking my brain trying to think of it. But that is that kind of scene that I think of when I think of movie theater horror. What is you know, that from? Like, <laughs> you're in there. You're watching the movie and there's somebody creepy in the movie. I think I know what it is. Actually. I think it's the Pelican brief. I'm not positive, but I think it's something like that. I haven't seen that in so long. I could remember, Anyone but knows what movie I'm referring yeah. to. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, we next have uh, one cut of the dead, which was on all of our uh-huh. top 10 lists. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And then we, you mentioned you might be the killer uh, porno from 2019, which you did cover. Wolfman, right? You covered that not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, I covered that yep. this year, I believe. Yep. Is that this year? Jeez, that yeah. seems like forever ago. It does. It's basically like a modern version of popcorn, really. It's like, uh, it's kind of like a supernatural popcorn. If you like popcorn, I don't know. People are not as easy on new movies as they are on 80s movies for whatever reason, or 1991 movies in the case of popcorn. But um, <laughs> if you're a fan of what popcorn does, really porno is basically the same thing like and i think it's better characters like way more interesting people in hey. it. so i mean no offense to the movie we're about to review <laughs> <laughs> all right next up we have scare package from 2019 and then scare me from 2020 i feel like both of those are movies both of those are streaming on shutter scare package is the one i just referred to that i feel like the horror movie reenactments are just really poorly done for my taste. I didn't like that film. Scare Me is the one I talked about on our last episode where it's all of the elements of a wraparound anthology film, but they actually never cut away to the movie. It's just the storytellers, the narrators the entire time. Loved it. All right. Well, then that wraps up our sort of uh, our overview. I'm, I'm sure there are movies that weren't included that maybe, you know, those of you out there listening, you're like, hey, why didn't you mention Drive-In Massacre 2, Buck Flowers Revenge or something? You know, I'm sure there's something <laughs> out there we missed. So, uh, be it's sh- all about it. I want to hear about those. Ab- what I don't so- want to hear is you guys are idiots. Why did you miss it? Instead, <laughs> tell us what's so great yes! about it. We would love to hear right. about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And right. here's the thought. Maybe we intentionally left some out to give uh-huh. you a reason to leave a comment <laughs> on the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we did it on purpose. Did hey, you as a matter of fact, we've been doing that for what? Since 2013. Oh, years. It has always <laughs> been part of the agenda. Right. Right. It just... <laughs> It's just we never, you know, we we we've been we've been kind of keeping it yeah, under wraps, yeah, you and, then, know. and then Joel just comes out and spills it. But that's I, you know, okay. I'm sorry. I feel like it's 2020. You know, it's it's the year of unexpected twists, and so I'm just going <laughs> to lay it out there. Uh, we want you to tell us the movies that we intentionally left out when we were having our discussion right. in the comment section. So right. on that note, let us go into our feature review. And we didn't say which one we're doing first. So it's my themed episode. I'm going to say we're going to do Popcorn 1991. Buy a bag. Go home in a box. (laughs) Greatest tagline ever. Before the horror of Halloween. Before the fear of Friday the 13th. (laughs) 
before the evil of a nightmare on Elm Street. Before them all, there was... Now, 15 years later, he's back. Oh, yes. There's something happening here that I've been looking for all of my life. There's smoke. Someone takes her hand. She's running. The same man comes towards her. Popcorn from 1991. I hold the steel book in my hands. They apparently only made 3,000 of these. So that means there are 2,999 people in this world as deluded as I am. So, or maybe like another hundred as deluded as you, and the rest are still in a box somewhere. <laughs> right. Or, or that. Or that. That is possible. <laughs> that is a possibility. But I am going to hope springs eternal that my my kindred spirits, my uh, my fellow popcorn lovers out there, who I believe, if you are like me and have OCD tendencies, every time your kids or anyone says, hey, dad, do you want some popcorn? You have to reply with, buy a bag, go home in a box. I do it every time. <laughs> and at this point, they don't even roll their eyes anymore. All right, so Popcorn from 1991, the IMDb synopsis of which is a master of disguise deranged killer begins killing off the college students who are organizing a horror movie marathon in an abandoned theater. Well, hold on. Let me step back for one second here. Good job, IMDb. For once, technically, that is the actual synopsis of the movie. (laughs) So uh, it was directed by Mark Harrier and technically some of it by Alan Ormsby. Now, if Alan Ormsby's name sounds familiar to you, that is because he was involved quite a bit with Bob Clark of the original Black Christmas and Porky's and Christmas Story fame. And in fact, was the actor and special effects creator for uh, Clark's first film, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. Yep, that's right. He was a star. He was the main guy. Yeah, I he think. was the main guy. And yep. have, have I ever told mm-hmm. you my my story of being an intern at a film lab for like three months in Orlando, yeah. and, I, and I got to clean the print of that movie? No, that's oh, awesome. Yeah, so I was in this. This it was Continental Film Lab in Orlando, and they would have posters up for all the movies they had worked on. They had like uh, Jason Lives on the wall and a bunch of other stuff. And I got to go in their warehouse, and they just had. Just it was like it was like the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like it wasn't actually that big, but in my head it was. Where it was just just piles and row and row of cans of of film. And I don't know if these were I don't these were obviously not like original negatives or anything, but they were. I mean, I guess they only had you know so many prints of these things. And one of the jobs I was given was to help go through the process of cleaning them. And I was one day handed these, and I saw the label. I said, "Children shouldn't play with dead things." I about wet my pants. I'm like. Because there were a lot of them, they had like mm-hmm. a they had a telecine um, set up in there, so they would do a lot of production for like when they were putting stuff on DVD and things like that. So um, I, I just I remember getting that, and I also found the can, which is funny for me to say the cans for Ilsa She Wolf. I think it was it was it, oh no, it wasn't She Wolf of the SS. It was the Oil Sheiks one or the the Sheiks. Oh, the, oh, the third one. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So I actually, and I, the best part was like I actually knew what it was, and and I was like, nice. hey, I'm holding Ilsa's cans. All right, so moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but so children shouldn't play with dead things. Uh, a, a, a 
odd movie and a cinematic oddity, which I will make the argument. So is this movie, which is one of the reasons why I love it, because as I've determined uh, that notion of cinematic oddities, which I really learned from from you guys, is, I think, a real uh sensitive spot for me like any movie that falls into that category the movies that i can't explain why i like them necessarily because i can acknowledge they're not great but there's just something about them and for me popcorn is that movie so uh mark harrier who was an actor this is actually he's the main director he's the guy they brought in after they fired alan ormsby so i don't know if you guys right. know the backstory that alan ormsby was brought in for this movie by bob clark to help uh, rewrite the script bob clark mm. didn't want to direct it and ormsby shot the movies within the movie for popcorn and right. then because they were way behind schedule they kick him to the curb bring in mark harrier uh, and at the same time around the same time joel sholin who stars in it was brought in to replace the lead who was amy o'neill which i think the best thing i know her from is like the honey i shrunk the kids movies i think she was the mm-hmm. one of the daughters mm-hmm. yeah, they had shot for three weeks when the directors changed and then the other rumor is that bob clark kind of ghost directed yes. it, kind of the same Thing that they say about Spielberg with Poltergeist that Bob Clark was heavily involved. Have you guys seen that documentary? That they have like an hour long documentary about the making of popcorn. Have either of you? No, no, I have not. Yeah, they go into that quite a bit. Some of the actors actually said that, in their opinion, <laughs> that's what was going on. Uh, Mark Harrier, the director, had he acknowledged that Clark was sort of over his shoulder a lot and giving him lots of input. And I guess they were also very close friends, so it was. One of those things where the boundaries were sort of not there. And I think he said, but by the time it got to the editing room and in, in, in Mark Harrier's opinion, that was where the you know, the movie really was made. So he was completely left to his own devices. So he feels like he directed it. It really is his only feature film uh, directing effort. I think he has a couple of shorts uh, as well, but that's that's really it. Look, I know this movie's not perfect, but I love it. I'm just going to lay all my cards out on the table, kids. Okay. I don't know what it is about the movie. I hadn't actually seen it in a long time prior to watching it for this, but I remember when it came out, I also remember the trailer for it really confusing me as a kid because this came out in that early nineties window when I was really starting to get into horror movies and anything that would come out. It didn't play near me. So I wasn't able to see the theater, but I remember seeing the trailer on TV. And if you remember the trailer, it starts off with before Halloween, before Friday the 13th, before a nightmare on Elm Street, there was, and then they show the marquee that says possessor on it. And it says now, 15 years later, he's back. And I remember as a kid going, is this like a sequel to a movie? I don't even know exists. What is happening? <laughs> and again, interesting to note in that documentary, they kind of helped explain some of the issues with the marketing and everything else about this movie was it originally was intended to be PG-13. It was meant to be this sort of camp send up of that kind of movie. And it was meant to be PG-13. Their original intention was to market it to 13 to 17 year olds. But once they put it to the MPAA, apparently they were told, hey, sorry, your movie's too intense. After rewatching it, I actually see what they're talking about because there's almost nothing in this movie. I mean, other than the overall subject matter of this film cult and the guy wanting you know to kill his family, which is you know disturbing, they're really yeah. it's it is very light and it's not. I mean, I don't even think they didn't even drop an f bomb in it. I mean, there's no, no nudity. The blood is minimal. Right. I think the ending is pretty disturbing too. I mean, maybe not more than PG thirteen disturbing, but I think uh, it, yeah. 
I would I, I I think the cult and the ending are enough to you know have scary elements. But yeah, I don't know. PG thirteen probably still I can see. Yeah, it's one of the lighter R movies. In my opinion, I mean, even one of my kids yeah. was like, could we watch it? I was like, actually, <laughs> it's not. I mean, it's not that. I mean, other than a few, there's a couple jump scares. And and there are moments where the villain, I won't give away who it is because it's meant to be a mystery. Uh, you know, it is creepy. I mean, there's a few creepy shots. And obviously, I thought the makeup effects were pretty good on him. I, I don't think it's giving anything away considering it's all over the uh a lot of the marketing materials, the the burn effect, the sort of Freddy Krueger-esque look to him. Though I will say this, am I the only one who at moments got a Fire Marshal Bill vibe? Am I the only one? <laughs> <laughs> I, totally, I, I totally got that. Yeah. You don't think that that's ultra disturbing? Like the, the villain, I feel like the villain's appearance and kind of how... It's not, it's not that they're a burned victim, it's all of the other stuff that the... Other things that happen are, I'm trying not to spoil it, but um, I guess it's not a secret that there are kind of masks involved with this film. I guess even looking at the poster, mm-hmm. you can tell that there's some kind of mask element to it. And to me, I don't know. I thought the way that they did that was really grotesque. I mean, I guess the thing it reminds me of is a PG-13 film. It's the kind of death becomes her, but it is that kind of off the wall uh, makeup like that film yeah it's just like whoa no. that's crazy looking yeah whereas but whereas that movie's tone is obviously meant to be just darkly comic throughout this movie does have and i think really if if i was a betting person i would say i think it's more because it is a slasher movie at the end of the day that's what this plays as it's what it is if you look at a lot of the marketing materials then I mean, you got a knife and you know the guy with a knife and so it's got this slasher movie vibe to it so i think that was working against it in 19 i think it was shot originally was it 89 and then or i know it came out in 91 Although I think the copyright may even say 90 on the movie. So it's like it's kind of all over the place as far. I, I didn't see what the actual <clears throat> release date was for it. But uh, yeah, it, it you know, it definitely had its problems. But it's funny. You made that comment earlier, Wolfman, about w- people will cut a movie from the 80s or in this case, the early 90s, a lot more slack than a more modern movie, you know, yeah. like like scare package or whatever. And in this documentary, Mike Mark Harrier, and I apologize, uh, Mr. Harrier, if I'm saying your name wrong, but. He's, he, I think he put it in a way I'd never thought of before, but I was like, wow, that's actually a really great way to explain it. And he said that making a movie like this is like making wine, that it's a messy process making it. But the further away you get from the making of it, the better it tastes. I was like, mm. I like that. That mm. actually is a really, because I think that's, I, you know what, 20 years from now, a scare a movie like Scare Package to, you know, some 15 year old kid who grew up with it. Well, they'll have the same response. I just want to be very clear. I was not sticking up for Scare Package. I hated that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about porno when I saw oh, it. Was was okay, I'm sorry. You're right. Okay. <laughs> my bad. bad. For some reason, I thought it was Scare Package. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, you know, I think though, there's something to be said for that, that, and it, it could be the nostalgia, right? The, the, the rose colored glasses that we put on. So when we, we visit a movie from that time period of our lives, it brings about certain feelings that imbue the entire process of watching the movie with something extra. But I don't know. I look. Pro, this movie is not perfect. I really enjoy the movies within the movies that are in it. Uh, you know, the mosquito and the electrified man and the stench. Yeah. Yes. 
Or as the alternate title, Silent But Deadly. Oh, yeah. Or Silent But Deadly, <laughs> as, as it's, as it's uh, commonly known here in the States. Uh, yeah, it, it's... Uh, but, I mean, it has these just weird moments, like the montage when they're cleaning up the theater and and that that music that that's just wonderfully kind yeah. of weirdly reggae but not quite <laughs> it's like weird 80s pop reggae well they filmed the film in jamaica it was, it the movie was, jamaica, was shot in jamaica yeah. yeah yeah and so i wonder if they just had some local artists that they got music from to and they got a the couple uh, what what is the song saturday night at the movies yes, I think yes. saturday night and, at and the movies scary scary movie yes. yeah, yeah yeah well they had the band that they have play on the stage Right. The, mm-hmm. It was obviously a Jamaican band. And right. the but that sequence, that montage, the uh, Saturday night, the movies thing, it's just there's something so light and fun. And like the way all these young actors are interacting with each other and you uh-huh. just tell they're just having fun. I mean, and not to mention the fact that can I just say right off the bat, you had uh, it was a Kelly Joe Mintner. Who was in you know Nightmare on Elm Street five? I believe she, people under the stairs. Of course, I, I love right. her. I, I feel like she's one of those actresses that just doesn't get enough attention, but she was in a lot of these movies from this time period that I just love. Yeah. So I love her. Yeah, I do. And, and I mean, you got D Wallace in it. She's not in a lot, but you know, she's D Wallace and she's freaking awesome. Um, Tom Ballard, who was a fantastic actor. Um, I, you know what? He's, he's great. Every time I see that guy though, and it's a shame because he's been in a lot of great, he's been in a lot of great movies. And the movie I'm about to mention is not one of them, or he's done a lot of great roles on television and everything. And he's a very familiar face, but I always think of him as one half of the Stork brothers from One Crazy Summer with him and Bobcat Goldthwait. So you know what? I don't that's know where I know him from. And I love that movie and I love yeah. him in it because that's, it was those guys and it was the characters in Summer School that yes. were like the horror fans. Yes. 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 Those were right. the guys who were like, these guys are awesome. Right? Can I, can I, here's that moment. By the way, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, everyone in the audience, please hear me on this. This is that moment where Wolfman, you you can't figure us out because I too love one crazy summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the stork brother because I love how Dave you were setting up is like, look, I'm sorry, this is the one thing I remember him in. It's not great. It's it, I I love that movie. I can't help it. Uh, yeah, it's, I it's, wait it's, for Dave to finish up so I can say how awesome one crazy summer was. <laughs> I was yeah, too. I was too. And you know what? I just, I just remember. Hey, Shoop. You know, he, <laughs> yeah, he was like the lead back sort of brother, and Bobcat Goldthwait was the. Yeah. Was the. It's 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 oh, an insane insane. I love, movie. I, I, yes, it is. And uh, the guy with the bull, the guy with the 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 uh, what was it the the foghorn, whatever that was. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, but now I not, not to bring it down, of course, uh, I, I, but it wouldn't be me if I didn't. Um, they actually in the documentary talk about the fact that during the production, I think there were a few weeks into this. And it, well, it was definitely and it must have been more than a few weeks in because I guess Ormsby was already out and Harrier was in because he said that Villard came to him to tell him that he found out he had AIDS at that point. Yeah. Because that's what yeah. ended, he, he ended up dying, I think, in 93 or 94. He died a couple years after this. Yeah. yeah. And and he basically talked about how obviously he took that you know as just a sign of his trust in him because at that time it was a death sentence and insurance companies would not have insured him to be on that production um and it could have potentially just shut the whole thing down so um and it was interesting because in some of his credits i mean he worked all the way up it looks like until the end i mean it looks like he worked pretty i mean you know he's got 30 i think 30 some odd acting credits but i love him in this i think he's fantastic um he's so good in this like shockingly good yeah because at the beginning he's kind of that same guy from one crazy summer where you're like i like this guy is fun to be around but then there's a certain point in the film where you're like oh no he's like really good (laughs) this is good 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could you could see the real potential for for the career had had he had he been around longer to really explore that. So uh, you also had Tony Robert, Roberts, who I feel like is mainly known from Woody Allen movies. Yeah, yeah, yep, definitely. And of course, Ray Walston, my favorite Martian. Right. And, uh, although I will say Tony Roberts was also in uh, was it Amityville three? Oh, that's right. Yes, three D. Yeah. Yes, he was in that. Yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it was funny. They said Ray Walston in, in the documentary was apparently a bit of a grouch. Uh, I can't remember which actor it was, but said I just didn't really. I, I kind of avoided him. <laughs> he was kind of. He was not not happy to be there. It was, it was too hot for him, and he was like, eh, you know, it's like, eh, well, what are you gonna do? But uh, but yeah, so they shot the whole thing in Jamaica. Uh, apparently, the. <laughs> when they were needed the extras in a lot of the movie theater scenes, you know, you had all the locals, and it's Jamaica, so. 100, you know, a lot of them are black and they wanted to have, a, I guess, a mix of people in there. So that's why they said they had so many different people wearing masks because it was oh. it, it was it was a, it was a way to mix it all up. And I was like, I actually think it's one of the things that makes it a lot in a way stand out from a lot of the movies of the era, because so many, uh, you know, slasher movies and, and movies of that time period it are so predominantly white. And it's it was interesting. You know, I mean, again, you mainly are looking at arms and such, but you do see people. It, just, it has a larger of of the extras that are in the movie. It does have a larger percentage of of the Jamaican people there than than you that would have otherwise. Serious. That is a crazy case of whitewashing. <laughs> like we're yeah. actually going to physically cover up your face. So yeah. We don't yeah, that, that was there. There are, I guess, I don't know what the argument was. It was something to the effect of like, well, we figured, I, I think, how did they, when did somebody explained it, like, well, we were thinking that, or the producer or somebody was thinking that they were, they wanted this to represent sort of like a quote unquote, like all American town. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's like, eh, okay. I, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I feel like no matter what way you explain this, it's not going to go off well, bro. So you might want to just let it lie. Just let it lie there. Well, the ratio of right. their main cast, I guess, if we take Kelly Joe Bentner, then, and you know what? I just realized that she's actually in summer school. Yes, she, yes is. she was. She, is. she played a major role in summer yes, school. Yes, she did. Right? That's why I love her, man. I, I feel like there's so many movies that are like these little touchstones of my childhood that she's in. <laughs> yeah. You know, the funny one, sorry, this is way off topic, but is Lost Boys. She's an extra because she had a scene that got cut. Oh, really? And so there's a scene in Lost Boys where you just see her and you're like, what? what is that? And then she's kind of featured in the shot but she never speaks and then her scene got cut that's <laughs> just like mm. the most bizarre yeah <laughs> yeah I, to see her in a movie and then she's like not really in it yeah i i i wish she was in more stuff it looks like you know, she took a bit of a hiatus in in the 2000s but the show is having some uh some credits here recently so yeah she's i i, I love her like honestly like she's one of there's a handful of like, these actors that a lot of people don't like would recognize but they don't know who they are that i just right. have this real fun i guess you just call them character actors that just i don't know she, she's one of them so she's in um she's in the horn noir documentary as well yes yeah she was yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. for the Elm street movie yeah Yes. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything else. I'm sure you guys have some some copious notes, as I do, for popcorn. I'm sure you you both <laughs> took diligent two pages worth of notes uh, like <laughs> I, like I, I did. Film, you know, you've you've actually softened my feelings toward it a lot. Joel is listening to you talk about it in the last five minutes. <laughs> What's that? Is it in the last five minutes? Is I've softened yeah. you in the last five minutes or is this like a long-term prospect? Like as I've talked the movie up over the years. 
No, no, no. As you've been, we've been talking about it tonight. You've kind of changed my mind about it a little bit. Um, not that I hated it or anything, but I just, you know, I think of it as not a great movie. I think of it as like something like April Fool's Day, where it's like I kind of enjoy it, but it's not good. Like I would never say this is a good movie. I think it's actually our listener David in the UK who turned me on to this one. It was one of those where I'd seen the VHS cover a million times and like, maybe I thought I saw it, but when I actually sat down and watched it recently in the last five years, it was because of David and because he loved it. And he would always talk about how it was such an important touchstone before scream that never gets talked about in terms of being a film. That's like really part of that kind of postmodern horror. um, uh, What do you call it? Um, History, you know? And so, it was David that got me to watch it again, and, and you know it was interesting, and I appreciated it, but I didn't love it necessarily, and um, and I didn't and I didn't remember anything about it having seen it before, but yeah, it's it is charming in a way, you know, and I, I you know I think when it's easy to focus on things like why not more D Wallace and you know like <laughs> things like that, but it's you know and it is very and it's also. Um, you mentioning that it was intended to be PG-13 actually kind of changes my mind about it as well, because it is kind of silly and goofy at times in ways that you're like, why? Like, why <laughs> is this character speaking in this voice? Yeah. And yeah. why are they having this kind of Looney Tunes scene in the middle of this movie? But then when you're like, oh, okay, so it was intended for a younger audience. And then you're like, oh, all right. Yeah, like it's it, it just is easier to forgive some of those things. So yeah. Thank you, Joel, for increasing my appreciation for popcorn. You're week. welcome. You're I I put a little a little extra butter on it for you. I just uh, <laughs> a little extra cheese right on the top. Sure. Yeah. It, it's if you are somebody who it appreciates i call it almost like lighter camp because it's campy but it's not in like a almost it's unintentionally campy at times but yet kind of still intentional it's it's hard to explain it's not way over the top camp but it's got a campy vibe to it it's got a silly vibe to it but honestly i will say that there are moments with the killer like the look that they have and the the way they express themselves i mean there are some creepy ish <laughs> moments i mean it's not a scary movie i don't think at all but it's fun there's like a lightness and a funness to it it's just enjoyable i am an absolute sucker for jill sholin and anything she was ever in so i i mean for god's sakes i love cutting class um you know i i i made poor matt and jackson listen to almost two hours of me ranting about the stepfather <laughs> recently on father son watch more uh so I can't say enough about her. I think she's wonderful, but there's just something about this movie that I've just always found endearing. And it's the only way I could put it. And, and again, now that Mark Harrier has given me that wine analogy, I think that's what I'm really going to go with. And honestly, one thing I really want to do is go back and revisit a lot of horror movies from like 1990 ish through like 94, like, you know, movies like this and brain. Oh, it was, um, um, oh, why, why am I brain farting on the movie with Edward Furlong? And I'm picturing the, it's, uh, oh God. Detroit rock city. No, my God. I'm going to punch a wall. <laughs> no, it's not, bra- it's not brain scan. What's it? Is it brain scan? It's the one with the trickster. <laughs> no, God. Oh, hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the part. Terminator 2. No. 
<laughs> my, it's not my. Is it my? No, Mind Warp is the one with Bruce Campbell. I'm doing the thing now. I'm in my 40s and I can't remember a movie that I like. Hold I've, on. I've said every Ed Furlong movie I can think of. No, <laughs> you haven't because you haven't said the one I'm thinking of. It's the horror movie that he made well, in 1993 or 94. And it's got they were trying to do like a franchisee horror kind of movie. And it's brain something. And I'm, I thought it was brain scam. But that doesn't you know, like when you say something you're like that ain't right. Hold on. It's right here. I'm going to find it. Brain sack. Brain sack. Is that what you just said? <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, brain sack. Oh, no, I was right. It's brain scan. Okay. Brain I, scan. It's like, as I said it, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Okay. But like movies like that, like movies that I can't remember the title of. <laughs> brain scan. It where, was also in Pet Cemetery 2, I see. Yes. And I like Pet Cemetery 2. Judge me if you will. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, may I state the beginning of this? I said, meh. To uh, to shadow the empire, <laughs> but yes, I get right. I get, belli- I get belligerent. I get yeah. belligerent about Pet Cemetery too. So that uh, tells now you. We see why you didn't like Shadow of the Vampire actually. Yeah. After this <laughs> <laughs> because you have no taste, sir. That is that's what we're saying. But anyway, the point is, there's movies from this time period, and I know it's because it's dripping with nostalgia for me. This is sort of my my awakening as a horror fan. Um, this era, this time period, and I feel like it's mm-hmm. when it gets pretty much like regularly crapped on by a lot of horror fans. So I don't know. I want to kind of revisit a lot of these movies in the same way. I'd like to revisit some of the post scream movies that are knockoffs of it that I remembered liking just to see if I have a different filter for them now. Um, and so popcorn to final cut, especially that one, <laughs> especially that one. Uh, but yeah, it, it's for me, that's popcorn is a movie of this time period. It is a fun movie. It is a enjoyable movie. It is a movie that I felt definitely worth owning. So, you know, I think that uh, because I have to rate these things, I'm giving it a solid 10. I'm just kidding. I'm not giving it. I couldn't even finish that because I'm like, come on, really? Really, Joel? You couldn't even go there. No, for me, this is going to be a... Cause see if I if I throw the nostalgia bomb in there, it's gonna be like an eight eight point five. But that, I know that's ridiculous. I can't do that. I'm gonna say seven point five. Seven point five out of ten. Eight. Screw it. It's an eight. Eight out of ten. <laughs> Popcorn. Not because it's some great cinematic masterpiece, but because of the wacky cinematic oddity it is, and it makes my heart happy. I'd probably come in around an eight, also to be honest with you. I had I had a lot of fun with. It. I didn't think the possessor. Uh, sort of uh, plot came came together as it should, <laughs> uh, but um, I love uh, it's a lot of fun, and I do really like the uh, the that reggae esque soundtrack uh, soundtrack to it. I did. I had I really enjoyed that, especially those two songs we talked about, Saturday Night at the Movies and Scary Scary Movies. I yeah. thought those were a lot of fun, and the films within a film are just just cheesy, just as as perfectly cheesy as they should be. They actually felt right. Like they did feel of that yeah. era. And I believe Ormsby is the one who directed all of those. So he did. He was the he that's that's his portion that stayed in the movie. Yeah. So Wolfman, you're being awful silent. <laughs> I'm trying to let you guys speak. Okay. <laughs> I'm waiting for your rating and recommendation. I am I am waiting with bated breath. So I I as I've said, I wasn't super high on this movie going into this discussion. I've been warmed up to it a bit. I appreciate it for what it was doing it was postmodern theory well before any other films of its era um 
was ahead of its time in that way. It has, it's weird because it feels like a holdover from the late eighties. You know, it doesn't feel like, you know, it's interesting when you think about Bob Clark directing this, you're like, there's no way that the director of black Christmas directed this movie. Like there's, that's impossible. But when you think about the director of Porky's directing this movie, you're like, Oh yeah, I can see that (laughs) because that is the tone to me. (laughs) The comedy in this film feels like the tone of Porky's. Like that is, it's that level of silliness. When Joel was kind of trying to nail down how camp it was, it was, it's kind of that for me. That's where I feel this is that tonally. Um, It's a little goofy. I don't like any of that stuff. What I do like is the entire finale. I think the finale is fantastic. I, I thought it was scary. I'm surprised you show, I wouldn't show this to my kids. I thought it was too creepy, man. I thought <laughs> the way that they executed the villain in this movie is truly frightening, in my opinion. I have something with un, the Uncanny Valley, though. Uncanny stuff really messes me up, and I think that's what it is about this. But, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I would give this one a five, but I would say it is um, – worth a rental i would actually search out the blu-ray now that you've talked about it so much and i'd be interested in seeing the behind the scenes for a film like this and uh it's worth it just for tom villard's performance in my opinion it's worth seeing at least once for that Mm -hmm. so um i will call this a rental hey i'll take it you came in at a five i was totally expecting a four (laughs) (laughs) excellent All right, so that wraps up our feature review of The Great, say it with me, kids, The Great Popcorn. (laughs) It's good. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, both men's like, there's a difference between an enjoyable watch and a good movie. Yes. It's not a good movie by any of my metrics, but it is a fun watch still. I really will put, if something is entertaining to me, I will forgive so, so much. I'm so forgiving if I find a movie entertaining. I really will. I really am very forgiving. Yeah. So, uh, but that's yes, a lot of fun. yeah. So that's popcorn from 1991, and now cut it, cut it, cut it. Save the film, strike the broads, kill the babies. My friends, I'm sorry, but uh, it looks like we are out of money for this picture. Aww. We don't raise some more bucks fast. This film is history. I'm sorry about that. Wait a minute, I turned down a pilot for this. Isn't there something we can do? Don't talk to me. Ask the genius producer. He's probably in Tahiti by now. Well, can't we uh, raise money, cut corners somewhere? Cut corners? Cut corners? Have you been watching the last two weeks? I've got, I've got five actors playing ten parts. Heck, I'm playing three parts myself. And if you've seen these special effects, show them the special effects. Yeah, yeah. Gentlemen. Ladies. Hold that. Uh, we've been avoiding it, but it's the 80s. I think it's time... Uh, for product placement, give me that beer. This, uh, this generic stuff, you know, generic, it's not gonna cut it. So, uh, I say product placement. It'll work. I think you should trust me on this. Hey, that's a great idea, JD. Brand names. Yeah, yeah. Product placement. Product placement. For our next feature review, it is a shutter sponsored screaming online segment as we discuss demons from 1985. <laughs> Welcome to our Shudder-sponsored Screaming Online segment, which will be a review of Demons. But first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our sponsor. As the world's premier streaming service for horror, thriller, and supernatural content, Shudder is spooky 24-7, 365. 
Just because Halloween is coming on doesn't mean the scares don't continue. Sign up for Shudder and get access to the largest collection of acclaimed horror movies and series streamed right to your favorite devices. New titles available now on Shudder are Creep Show, the animated special, Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist, the documentary, Blood Vessel, which I reviewed on our last episode, Scare Me, which I reviewed on our last episode, Something very exciting within the context of our Demons review, the Mario Bava Collection. Also related to the content of this episode, I didn't even know this was the case, but porno is now available on Shudder. The movie, not the genre. And as I mentioned, this is kind of a modern popcorn to some degree. The logline being, in a small Christian town, five repressed teens discover a mysterious old film unleashing an alluring demon that is determined to give them an education written in blood. And coming soon to Shudder, we have the indie film The Pale Door, a remake of Castle Freak, and an uncut version of Eli Roth's The History of Horror series. You can stream all of these great thrillers, horror, and suspense films and series for just $5.99 per month, or $56.99 per year. And you could turn your normal 7-day free trial into a 30-day free trial by using our promo code HMP. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment on the planet. That's why they call it the Netflix for Horror. You'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, including Apple devices, Android devices, Xbox, Amazon Fire, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. So get started streaming online. To try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use promo code HMP. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com and the promo code H-M-P. And now Joel's Screaming Online selection for this episode. Here it is. Demons from 1985. The preview you are about to watch is for a movie that is unlike any you have ever seen before. It is for a movie that goes beyond temporary fear to everlasting terror. It is a movie called Demons. Yes, the demons are coming, and they're coming for you. Warning, if you have the courage to see demons, sit near an exit. Otherwise, you might never get out. In your theater, who will survive the touch of the demons, and who will not? Demons. With music by Billy Idol, Motley Crue, The Adventures, Rick Springfield, and Saxon. This is no dream. This is happening right now. And it could be happening to you. Demons. They will make cemeteries their cathedrals. And the cities will be your tomb. Will you survive it? Demons. All right, well, then we've got Demons from 1985. So the synopsis, again, let's let's see if IMDb can go two for two today, kids. A group of random people are invited to a screening of a mysterious movie only to find themselves trapped in the theater with ravenous demons. Well, my goodness. We did it again. We did it. All right, two for yep. two. Directed yeah. by Lumberto Bava. You might you might recognize that last name. <laughs> yeah. 
because he is <laughs> the son of Mario. And uh, this is a, another, in my opinion, cinematic oddity that is just wackadoo. But my God, is it entertaining? <laughs> yes. It is, yeah. it is so entertaining. So, Dave, I obviously, uh, in my in my lust for popcorn, I dominated that conversation. So, I'm going to throw it to you because I want to hear your thoughts on demons. Oh, it's it's great. It's a blast. I mean, it's wild. It's wild and insane, but it's got an energy to it. You know, it's got this crazy energy to it that builds on. And I love it. By the time you get to the final showdown, I don't want to give too much away, but there's a motorcycle, a sword, and a downed helicopter. <laughs> it is so insane. And it's all you need to know. And it's still in the same set. <laughs> yes. It's all in the same set. It I is mean, so it's crazy. insane. It is nuts. It starts out kind of like American Werewolf in Paris, if anybody is, remembers <laughs> that movie for more. That's a weird reference. It's <laughs> in that weird another world where I, where I belong is in that generation. Um, it, yeah, it's there. People are randomly being invited to this movie screening. And so you've got all of these people showing up. And as the movie's starting, you're kind of meeting each of them and, and getting a sense of their backgrounds, but none of them have anything to do with what's going on in this situation. They sit down, they start watching this horror movie, which as I remember, I'm, I'm kind of, I haven't seen this for over a year, but it's kind of just like a typical slasher movie, right? The one that they're watching. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. That's super with and, a supernatural element to it. Yeah. And, th- and then weird things start happening to the bodies of the people who were, watching this film and they're kind of it's kind of an infected film in that way and it's related to the zombie genre although they're demons in this film and people in the audience start being taken over by this crazy force and soon there are demons everywhere and it just it's complete mayhem and hijinks for the entire running time of the film after that and I, the thing I love about it is how unsafe it feels. Not only the predicament that our characters are in, but really the hands of the filmmaker you're in. You don't feel safe watching this movie. It's such a strange experience. I think Joel's right to call this a cinematic oddity. And it just feels like dangers everywhere. And I, I don't know. I really loved the location that they're in. I love the way that this movie plays out. It's not following any kind of traditional horror tropes or movie structure, but it is just a wild ride and thoroughly enjoyable, I think. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I will say right off the bat, because I hadn't seen this in years. I rented this on video probably in the late 80s, early 90s for the first time. And I remember just absolutely loving it, being blown away because I mean it is just over the top gore, <laughs> practical effects, and I'd forgotten a lot of things about it. So when I rewatched it this time, right off the bat, the woman in the green dress, I'm like, yeah, who is she again? I'm like the whole time I'm thinking, wait, she must be like controlling this, right? Was she? I, I'm trying, so I'm trying to remember the rest of the movie. I'm thinking she was. Was she the wizard? Some sort of person? Because I remember the guy with the mask. I remember the like the Phantom of the Opera looking dude. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah. maybe we, were they working together? And because they make such a point <laughs> of how mysterious she is, and I don't feel like it's giving too much away to say uh, nothing. Yeah, she's basically just a victim. <laughs> she, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but am I wrong? Because they like went out of their way. She was she was like Chekhov's gun that they set up, and then like didn't nothing. I mean, it went nowhere. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of that in this movie. 
Yeah, it was, but it's it's but it's odd because that should feel so unsatisfying, but because the movie is just so out there, and and I mean, as Dave said, you end it with a someone on a motorcycle and it's like a samurai sword and demons everywhere and a helicopter and it's just in a movie theater and it's so nuts that you constantly escalating that's the thing about the movie is it just it keeps going up and up and up and up it's just ramping the entire runtime and so that's i think what's best about it is that it's just constantly getting crazier and it's just a fun experience honestly even though yeah if you're dissecting it it's not really holding up very well (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like it's it's one of those movies that if you watch with the attitude of it's like a a, a nightmare logic fever dream kind of movie, it 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 almost an art film that's not meant to necessarily be driven by plot. It's just meant to be these disturbing moments that a lot of which are shot in a really cool way. Like I just I, that iconic image. It's on the poster, of course, of the people, the demons coming up the stairs with all the the fog and smoke around them with their glowing eyes. It's just such a cool moment uh in the movie this is a minor spoiler so i'm going to ask people to skip ahead 30 seconds if you haven't seen this film um but i do want to say this the i'm going to do it now on your market set skip ahead the ending of the film where they're out in this now post-apocalyptic demon world (laughs) that's like the movie i actually want to see more it's like wow this is crazy yes yes Although, although keeping it like spoilers still going on. So if you stop to listen, just just know that you need to go ahead another 30 seconds. Um, the fact that what happens to her happens to her. It doesn't happen to him, even though if I'm not mistaken, he was in fact clawed or something happened to him. Physically. Like, <laughs> like, but again, that's the whole thing about this movie, right? So th- things don't make logical sense. So it's like a nightmare. It just it doesn't make any sense. I, I mean, there's just these moments where. A character probably should have turned based on the rules that they've set up, but then they don't (laughs) or they seem to out of nowhere. Um, And the overall sort of tone of the movie is just it's it's disturbing in a way but at the same time it's so much fun that it never really bothers you i, I don't know there, there's some movies that are that are a certain way like they get super gory and a lot of people you know there's some people that are obviously big fans of gore and some people that aren't but i feel like even if you don't really like a lot of gore like the gore in this movie it's it's disturbing at times especially like close-ups of teeth falling out and stuff that was <laughs> pretty jacked up but it's i don't know it's oddly just so entertaining i don't know that's the only word that keeps coming to mind it's just it's it's so entertaining that you aren't really bothered by it i I did want to mention because i don't think i mentioned it at the top that dario argento was at least a co-writer on the screenplay and i think he was a producer of it as well right i believe that's correct yeah there is a sequel although it's not directly related to this film Yes, because otherwise, uh, back to your earlier mentioned spoiler that I won't go into, we would probably be getting that <laughs> if it was right. more directly. Would have been awesome. Yeah, it really right. would have been. Really would have been. So yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot more to say about the movie because, like you said, I don't really want to. Spo- I feel like it's one of those movies that you really can't. It it doesn't do it any service to describe it. It's better for someone to just watch it. Just experience, <laughs> experience, it. Yeah, just experience. Yes, the movie. experience demons. Uh, little side note story about this movie. I liked it so much when I when I saw it, like in high school and everything. By the time I was, you know, my early late teens, early twenties, and I was trying to, you know, get in the whole indie film thing. I I can't remember if this guy was from. I feel like he was somewhere in Europe, 
And somehow this is like early days of like, you know, message boards and, and whatnot. And somehow we got connected where he had written this screenplay that was inspired by demons. And so like I optioned oh, wow. from him for like a buck because I so badly wanted to make it. And then, of course, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> but I even then, like I loved the and, and that's the, the other thing about this movie is the idea of it, of just people in this siege narrative, which I'm a huge fan of that subgenre and people being trapped in this environment with demons just in a movie theater just everything about that i just love so uh yeah. for, for me demons is like a solid 8.5 so you know obviously watch it on shutter I'm, I'm gonna say nine out of ten and uh definitely stream it uh definitely uh if you're so inclined i don't do you do you own this i would assume you do dave but i don't want to be that oh, yes absolutely as are there extras on the blu-ray for it I don't have the Blu-ray. I have a DVD I've owned for for like years and years. I've not upgraded to the Blu-ray. Okay. I feel like I used to own it on VHS, but I, I don't have it anymore. I'm the same as Dave. I have the DVD. I have not upgraded to the Blu-ray. Um, if there is one, I don't even know if there is one, but this is streaming on Shutter, And I am going to give this objectively a seven, but it is one of my favorite films of the 80s. And this was on my list when we did those lists last Halloween. And... Definitely streaming on Shutter if you haven't seen it yet. It's available now as well as Demons 2. And I personally am going to look to upgrade to a Blu-ray after this conversation. So if you would like to watch this, you can stream it on Shutter now. Try Shutter free for 30 days. Just go to Shutter.com and use the promo code HMP when signing up. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and the promo code HMP. That's it for this episode. We'd like to invite you to get involved in the Horror Movie Podcast community. You can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode at horrormoviepodcast.com, where you can also find this and all of our past episodes. You can also connect with us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. And please subscribe and leave a review for Horror Movie Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to us on Stitcher and Spotify. And don't forget to get your listener-designed HMP t-shirts at horrormoviepodcast.com slash store. We'd like to thank composer Kagan Breitenbach for creating our Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope you'll be back for our next episode of Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Is the movie theater still oh, there? Yeah, they, they as a matter of fact, the it's building? still a functioning movie theater. Oh wow, yeah. that's yeah, they're, cool. They're still showing films there. Um, and uh, I and, and and to my shame, I've never seen a movie in there, and it's literally oh, like man. ten miles from my house. Oh man, hey, Dave, if I'm ever in your neck of the woods, yeah, brother, we have got, got to go, go and there. Every, and in yeah. July, at the beginning of July, I guess they didn't this last year with everything going on, but they have Blobfest where they kick off Blobfest on oh, Friday so night cool. with everybody running out of that theater screaming. That's <laughs> the kickoff of Blobfest. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. That is awesome. Yep. I liked Bride of Chucky. I didn't like it as much as I liked the first three, but I like it.
I, I got, I, I'm like a half hour into this movie. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's bad, but it's interesting. I mean, I the thing is, yeah, to me, the whole franchise is bad. So at okay. least this is different. <laughs> I, I, I suppose, I suppose that is a valid point. Sorry, I'm, I'm just give me one second. Right. I'm, I'm busy here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to, trying to plan ahead here. Sorry. Right. Uh, knife plus. You're, 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 you're not, you're not pulling like one of them, uh, CNN guys on a Zoom call thing, are you? Or at least. What is it? <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> the tagline for the first one is like a hundred percent medically accurate or something. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but that yeah. the second one was like a hundred percent. I I I'm talking out of my. I don't know what I'm uh, saying. Do, oh, yeah, please no, finish, finish that sentence. Like, Under the circumstances of this movie, please finish the sentence you were about to say. <laughs> I, I was going to say it's it's like a hundred percent medically impossible or something along those lines because this guy is. No, you were about to say you were talking out your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that. Yes, I was about to say that. I was but like, then I remember, under the circumstances, it's fitting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, very cool. And then I, I'm just asking this because I saw it on the notes. Uh, you had something about a special true crime mention. Did you want to mention that or was that just a note that was left there? I don't remember why I was going to mention it, to be honest. It's a documentary I have no interest in yeah. watching at all. I know oh, what it is. So it's really good. It, dude, that, that, that whole premise is so disturbing to me. I just can't even. It's extremely dark, but they, I will give them credit for they handle the material very well, like very responsibly. Okay. It's real. It's a, it's a, it's a real crime. So yeah. it's going to disturb you on that level, no matter what. Yeah. But I will just say the filmmakers are extremely thoughtful about how they approach it right. so did you want to mention it or no because obviously we're <laughs> no okay. i mean all, all right. no. okay well okay give you an edit sorry um i agree i agree i agree are you sure i agree <laughs> i agree what's oh, that yeah. movie with edward furlong oh brain scan <laughs> yeah all right so for our next feature review it's going to be a screaming online segment which will be sputtered, sputtered by the only one, one and only shutter. I, you know, I figured you're going to have a hard time. Try it quick. Say Frederick Ingram. <laughs> no, <laughs> I refuse. All right. Not because of him, but because I can't say his name. All right. <clears throat> and we never have to again. That's the beauty of, of Kagan. <laughs> Thank you, Kagan. All right. All right. So for our next feature review, it is going to be a screen. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, this is good. <laughs> as soon uh, as I heard screaming or lines, uh, shutter segment. Sputtered. I, I said sputtered. A sputtered. Yep. A sputter sponsored. Sputter sponsored segment. Uh, okay. Potato skins. Sput. Yes. Spuds. Spud, spud, spud sponsored. Taters. Yes. I just want you to remember taters, sputters, potatoes, potato <laughs> skins. Stop big potato appeal. No, sputters. Stop it. Go. Go. Okay. <laughs> For our next feature review, it is a Shudder-sponsored Screaming Online segment as we discuss Demons from 1985. Ha! You didn't break me! You didn't no, break you me! You did it. You did it. Very good. All right. Yeah. You may pause it. You did it quicker than I would have been able to. 